Hey guys, welcome to the CP Junkie podcast, where we bring you interviews with dentists sharing their CPD stories and journeys from around Australia. What better way to learn than to follow those who've already done it before? CPD Junkie is Australia's most comprehensive CPD, so head over to cpdjunkie.com.au and become a member for free to access the full features of the site. CBD Junkie Podcast fam, I'm your host, Lawrence Stone, and today we're joined by Dr. Ian Zhao. He is a 2019 Griffith graduate working full-time private practice in Brisbane. He has a keen interest in both restorative dentistry as well as preventative dentistry. Dr. Ian Zhao, welcome to the show. Hi, Lauren. Thank you for having me. Uh, nice to finally meet you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So before we kind of get into it, how has the Brisbane flooding affected you? Um, look, like... Yeah, flooding is pretty bad over here, but I'm quite lucky in the sense that I haven't got affected personally. Um, but certainly, you know, when you when you have when you have a look around, you can see all the damage. Um, I live pretty close to the Brisbane River, so I can see the uh, river over flooding, and then you know, seeing things on the news as well as road closures um, on the way to work and to home. Um, yeah, I'm sure it's. Yeah, it's pretty de- devastating for a lot of people up here, to be honest. Um, mm. So things will get better very soon. You guys didn't lose power or anything like that, did you? Um, no, no. But we did. Our clinic did shut down um, on that Monday um, because of the severe weather. You know, we didn't want patients to risk um, driving around in that weather, so we didn't. We didn't actually have have uh, any patients on that day. Uh, internet did cut out a little bit here and there in that area, in the area that I work with, but, um, overall it, w- it wasn't too bad. Mm. Is it a massive cleanup at the moment or it's a kind of okay? Yeah, yeah, definitely. The cleanup is still ongoing. Um, I, I, I know, I know some people's clinic did get flooded and, um, from some of the images I've seen, it's, yeah, as I said, it's uh, pretty, uh, it's, it's pretty sad, but yeah. Cleaning cleanup is still ongoing for sure, and hopefully, uh, we won't get a second round of rain. Um, but the weather report says something different, so only time will tell, I suppose. Yeah, fingers crossed. All right, let's dive into straight into your CPD dental journey. So you graduated. What did you do? What do you think you were gonna do? How, did you end up doing that? What happened? Um, yeah. So prior, even prior to graduation, I guess. I sort of had an idea of what I wanted to focus on once I graduated. Um, so I still, the, my first ever CPD uh, after graduation was a communication course by PrimeSpeak. So I, I re- enrolled myself in that course just before I finished uni because um, there was a deal going on saying that uh, if you register as a uni student, you're going to get a discount. And I knew communication was an important um, aspect of dentistry, especially in private practice. So I knew, and Prime Speak, you know, it w- was well known in that communication field. So I knew that, w- that could, I couldn't really go wrong with signing up for, you know, Prime Speak, which I'm glad I did because um, after attending Prime Speak, it really, really, I guess, taught me a lot in terms of communication because personally I went into dentistry as a high school leaver 
with not much um, work experience, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, going to the private practice, start, you know, telling patients they need treatments, you know, worth thousands, thousands of dollars. This, this idea is new and foreign to me. And uh, it wasn't until Prime, uh, Prime Speak that I really had a firm grasp of the, uh, you know, the concept of communication and how, and how to how different people will approach it with uh, different type of patients, et cetera, et cetera. So I really, I'm really, really glad I did that course and it helped me immensely um, from that point onwards. Mm, yeah, I mean, like I too signed up for the Prime Speak when I was a student, when I was graduating as well, because to your point, they had a good deal. And I was like, you know, just to your point, everyone else is talking about it. I got to go attend and find out what it's all about. Um, so you did the communication course. Okay, so now you're bringing it back to the clinic. And so what happens from there? Are you diving into more clinical stuff that you want to dive into or? Yeah, um, when I started uh, private practice, I, uh, I actually started at a single chair clinic. So I was by myself um, most of the time, which wasn't ideal, but um, that did teach me a lot of things. Um, but yeah, so after communication, um, I sort of started, we really want to focus on just the bread and butter stuff. Um, restorative being one of the main things that I, I was keen to just do well in, just really, really get the basics down and then learn how to do restorative, restorative properly. Because at the time, you know, you see, you see a lot of stuff on social media and then you look at your own work, you'd be like, that that's not right like my one doesn't look anywhere near you know as good as the ones that you see on social media and then you'd be like you know what am i doing wrong here you know um so um restorative was has always been one of my main i guess that area that i've focused in and um that's um that's when I guess I did a really, really basic and simple restorative course with um, Dr. Michael Mandikos, Mandikos um, up in Brisbane, where he covered some ba really, really just like simple, basic stuff, um, gave a lot of um, ground knowledge and foundation to build up on. Um, so that's where I really started my restorative journey. But Things didn't really, I guess, um, change a lot until I discovered um, bio biomimetic dentistry on um, social media. Mm -hmm. um, that's when my approach to restorative changed a lot. Uh, like thinking, learning, learning how to bond properly and learning how to reconstruct the tooth um, close to the, you know, close to the original bio, biomechanics um, of a natural tooth. So that was the big turning point in terms of my restorative um, journey so far and um, haven't looked back since. Yeah, uh, well, let's dive into it a little bit more. So you're in a single chair practice and you're trying to work on this bread and butter stuff. You're only looking on social media and you're seeing like, my restoration is not as good, but like you have no one else to lean on. like. How do you go to for advice? Who, what, who are you talking to? Like, what's happening? Uh, yeah, you're right. So that that was certainly a struggle because um, just looking around me, uh, 
um, I guess uh, these other other dentists that I've, I know, um, they didn't really practice the type of dentistry that I wanted to do. Um, so, you know, it wasn't it wasn't really helpful in terms of asking them, oh, how do I do this type of dentistry to get this type of result? Because, you know, that's not, you know, the dentistry that they were doing. So I, I in fact, actually went back on social media and then reached out to a lot of the people that were posting these type of work and then just wondering, you know, how did they get there and um, ask for advice, you know, possible uh, CPD courses, and then just learned, learned and learned a lot more. Uh, and thank you to all those people on social media that's actually helped me um, over, over the last couple of years because they they really, really made a big difference in terms of the way I practice. So, yes, coming back to answering your question, um, I didn't actually get a lot of, like, personal mentoring, like, um, in the clinic, but I did enroll into a couple of courses online uh, that had really, really good um, reviews from the people that I've reached out to. Um, the one that I, the, the one, one of them was a rubber dam course by Dr. Uh, Kalen Pop. I'm sure you've heard of him. He's well known as the rubber dam master. Uh, so I did that rubber dam course. And then later after COVID went away, I did a, I did Sahil uh, Sony's rubber dam course. Um, just wanted to like reinforce the things I learned in person. Um, and then, um, in terms of doing like more biomedic dentistry, I, uh, I, I, I discovered Stephen Schimmenhouse on Instagram and uh, he had a uh, institute, the BARD Institute, uh, which stands for um, bio, Biomedic and Ad Advanced Adhesive Restorative Dentistry. So I enrolled in that course. So I actually did a lot of my learning online. I, uh, especially with COVID and everything, Queensland borders, as you knew it back then uh, for the last two years, was mainly shut. So I couldn't really go to um, in Sydney or Melbourne for a lot of um, the hands-on courses. So a lot of learning was just online, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess like we had to make the most of what we could, right? And interestingly yeah. enough, you, some people probably chose to take a break, but you decided that, you know, I'm going to sign up for something online and then learn it through a structured way. So, I mean, biomedics is kind of, you know, um, very, still kind of very new, but it's like the hot topic that everyone terms right now, because uh, people, yeah. there are a lot more people now promoting around it, right? And yes. so, what's your thoughts on it, having gone through it now? Um, again, I, I, the way, the way I see it is that some people think that you know, you, you, you go on, but you do biomedic dentistry, therefore you don't, you know, cut crowns or you don't do retention or, you know, resistant form, et cetera, et cetera. Um, how I really see it is I just see it as an additional tool in my toolkit, you know, because I don't, I, I still do crowns, um, not as much as I used to, but I still do crowns. There are certainly cases and times where, you know, I think crowns are, um, they have their benefits, 
so so yeah i i i don't i don't really see you know oh you have to do this you have to do this that's right or there's no right or wrong it's just that having additional tools in your toolkit is always you know uh, handy when you have situations where one would one um, method would work better than the other um so that's how that's how i really see it but i i think certainly even when you are doing traditional retention and resistance forms i still think bonding is quite important um yes again there's no there's no you know 100% um or, you know you can't go 100% bonding for everything yes there are cases where you know, you do verti preps and then you do cement and then you rely on retention features, but bonding does become a big part of, you know, my restorative practice um, after I've started biomimetic dentistry. Yeah. And look, I'm just, I'm just going to say here, some people are going to listen in and you're two years out. They're going to be like, you know, I'm an associate. I want to do biomimetic, but there are so many things I need to get as an associate. How do I get these tools? Um, yeah, I agree. I, I had the same problem when I first started. Uh, the, I guess, because when you do biomedic dentistry, yes, um, in, um, I guess tools as well as, um, you know, uh, the bond primer or whatever you use, it's quite important because we all promote gold standard um, bonding adhesive um, protocols. And then you come in to look at using rubber dam, using air abrasion or sandblasting units. Yes, things adds up. Um, when I started, I didn't have everything. Uh, it's, and as an associate, I did have to, I guess, work my way to my boss. What, like, I guess, saying a way to my boss that does, um, that does make things, make him think that investing those tools I need will benefit the clinic as well as the patients. Cause there were, it was getting to the point where I guess um, when you, when you do adhesive dentistry, air abrasion unit is so, 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 so critical. Um, and I, I just had to essentially <laughs> uh, twist my boss arms a little bit to, to get it actually. Because uh, as you know, it's not it's not cheap to get one of those units. That's right. That's right. You'd be like, I see pluck everywhere. I need to get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just triplex blowing won't do. And and rubber dam, even rubber dam is not cheap. You know, if you want to use the good isodam stuff, that you know, uh, really really makes the procedure a lot easier. Because most people don't use rubber dam because they think it's time consuming. Um, so. And, and, you know, rubber dam rips, you know, it breaks, doesn't fit, et cetera, et cetera. If you really use, you know, the good rubber dam, like Isodam, I've found a lot of those issues don't really exist. But coming, coming back, yes, Isodam is expensive. Uh, some owners don't, don't want to use that because, you know, it, if you use it a lot, you do go through boxes and boxes. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, to your point, I mean, talking about rubber dams, you did two courses on rubber dams. People would be like, I learned that in uni. Like, why do I need to do two rubber dam courses? Yes. Just graduating, by the way. Like, you know, that's what people will say. Yeah, yeah. 
I think I, I've always liked using rubber dam. Even back in uni, I was a big fan of rubber dam. And with the rubber dams in uni, I'm not too sure what sort of rubber dams people get in unis, but back in my days at my uni, the rubber dams I used were not the best stuff. Um, didn't look good. The handling properly property wasn't um, good. It teared and ripped very easily. So, so yes, I used rubber dam in uni, but I didn't really have a, you know, enjoyable experience. Um, so coming out of uni, you know, start using proper rubber dam, and that's when I, that's when things actually got better for me because I was like, wow, things things are so much easier to use uh when when they're good so when you I, get the right tools yeah i really i really sort of um enjoyed start using rubber dam but the things that you learn uni some some things yes you can isolate with the type of rubber dam that you're given but some things you just can't isolate easily with the type of rubber dam you're given so you don't really perform a lot of um like you do simple isolations but you don't to isolate teeth that are very difficult for example i i never learned how to do I the bond crowns under rubber dam you know these sort of things no you don't really learn uni. and uh, these sort of things are really applicable in private practice um, after graduation so learning how to just as simple as a floss tie to uh, learning how to select matrix, uh, uh, sorry, select um, rubber dam clamps. There's so many clamps out there and having one over another will make your life so much better. For example, when you're working on the most posterior tooth and you're doing a class two, you know, rubber dam, rubber dam clamps, the wings always gets in the way. You can't pop the sectional ring on. You can't seat the uh, matrix fully down, you know, all these things will happen because uh, in uni you learned how to use uh, most most rubber dam were had, had wings had um those little wings were easier to replace but you know after graduation i learned there were wingless rubber dams and when to use them when to not when, when not to use them so rubber dam honestly is is a, is a huge topic on its own um, and it does play in the sense that if you want to do proper adhesive dentistry, rubber dam is really, really important in the sense that it is a uh, it is a predictable way of isolating teeth. You know, I'm not saying you have to use rubber dam to isolate teeth, but it is a very, very predictable way of doing it. And um, it is referred as the you know, gold standard in terms of isolation. Mm. So you, you, you've got this biomimetic down to a degree that you're comfortable with, right? But, you know, dentistry is not all that. So are you diving into other things as well? Uh, certainly. So once I sort of um, got a hold of essentially the restorative part, um, I came to this cross path, cross path this, I guess, many graduates will face. So... At the time, I was thinking, time to do, you know, a big investment. I want to learn things properly. I don't want to just go to weekend courses or webinars or online courses. I want to do a structural learning. At the time, three three main topics. Okay, so I wanted to do like have a. Um, I want to do the mastership offered by the. Um, 
um, the biomedic mastership offered by the uh, elements in America. Um, so that that that's a proper structured learning about biomedic dentistry and restorative adhesive dentistry. So that was a potential course that I was going to sign up for. Um, the second one was, you know, as most graduates would um, want to do, ortho. Okay. I looked into a lot of ortho courses, um, the big ones, uh, and then also, of course, implants. So those were the three main areas where I had to uh, sort of pick and, pick and choose, do a bit of research, uh, come up with, you know, what sort of options in terms of structured learning I do have for these three areas and which area do I want to dive in first? Because at the time, just like a lot of graduates, I was working six days a week. Uh, time wasn't on my side. So I definitely knew that I couldn't take on multiple areas at once. So I just wanted to focus on one area and then finish that and then jump into another area. So, um, and um, the, other th the other thing that really helped me to make that decision at the time was that um at the time i that's when the time where i started a new job at a clinic where the boss does both implants and orthodontics orthodontics so i knew that was the best time for me to start something uh because i had support person you know with me there and um, my boss recommended that you know ortho is a big topic and it's a topic that you want to start early because once you, you know, um, settle down, have a family, et cetera, et cetera, life gets in the way, learning a such a huge, big topic becomes more and more difficult. So I took the advice, didn't think twice, and um, but did, uh, signed myself up on for progressive seminar, EOS. Um, he made the choice because he was trained by PAS. I didn't want to do something completely different to him and uh, therefore makes the mentoring a bit more difficult for him. So I made it, I made the choice of going, going with the same, same um, program that he went through, you know, years ago. So, so yeah, so I now, now six months into the program of um, POS and, um, yeah, loving that started started a couple of auto cases here and there. So yeah, loving it so far. Yeah, so to your point, like you didn't feel comfortable trying to take on implants or, or ortho yet until you were in a situation where you had that mentoring and that support to get started. I want to come back to that point about, you know, you were deciding between biomedics, ortho, implants, like I, put, I talk about this in our podcast, but why do you think people in your situation feel compelled to want to learn these things so quickly? Um, I certainly think that social media has a role to play in the sense that you see all these sort of work and you want to do that sort of work. And uh, when you when you look at how they did it, you come or you always come across implant, ortho, you know, clear liners or you know, just moving teeth um, as a part of all their treatment plans. So 
yes, you if you don't know how to do implant and ortho, you really sort of limit yourself in terms of um, in terms of treatment planning because ever since I've started ortho, I've I've actually learned what to look for just in terms of referring. I don't, I don't, I just started ortho. I don't do a lot of complex cases. I do very, very simple cases. So I actually refer a lot of ortho out. Um, but, you know, doing these sort of cases will actually help you in terms of treatment planning, just to things to look for. Because just put it simply, I just don't think those. I mean, um, dentist, dental schools teaches us enough for us to be uh, um, doing a you know, complex type of treatment planning, um, which is, I think, one of the hardest aspects of dentistry, to be honest. Mm. <laughs> so, mm. so, yes, uh, people, were, people like myself who graduate and then want to do ortho implant, because I just think, from my personal view, I just think that what graduates want to do a lot of the things that they see and um, most of the things that they see nowadays are on social media. So when they see these type of things, they're always looking to more or oh, how, how do they do it, you know, and then uh, author and implant becomes sort of a roadblock for uh, graduates like myself. So yeah, I think um, that's, that's when I sort of think, I got to start tackling these roadblocks, you know, mm. as, as big and as difficult as they seem, you know, if I don't start, you know, then they're just going to be there and roadblocking me, you know, for the rest of my career, <laughs> which I yeah. don't. I mean, look, some people are going to be like in your second year out, you know, I've got a huge bun bunch, like I've got a huge thick debt, right? I just paid for dental school. Now you're telling me that I have to potentially think about something structured that's gonna be like 20K a year, like what is going on, you know? Can you try to explain it to some of these people that might be trying to figure out, you know, if I should dive into something like that? Or if I'm just more comfortable doing weekend courses? Like, why did you make the switch? Like, you know? Um. I guess I'm I'm the type of person that if I'm if I'm going to do something I really want to do it well. So, in that sense, for me to do things well, I think structured learning and has, is a is, is a must. Um, I in fact I have been to weekend courses um, when I was deciding between the uh, uh, biomimetic and ortho and implant. I went to a um, weekend implant course. Uh, in Brisbane, and it was just an introduction course. I I went there just to see, you know, um, what 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 implant dentistry actually you know is, and what type what type of treatment they offer, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And uh, yes, it was good, but not good enough for me to think that oh, I'm I'm confident enough to place implants. So, what? I think for me to get that type of confidence, for me to start treatment, I really need to have some some form of structured learning to back me up, you know. So that was that wasn't a question whether I should pick over weekend courses or big twenty grand two year long courses. It's it was always gonna be, 
you know, it doesn't matter regardless of the time or the money. Um, if I really want to do something, I was going to, I was going to do it well. Um, I was going to give, give it, give it everything and uh, try my best, certainly. So, mm. uh, so yeah, <laughs> I, so, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you said you were contemplating about implants as well, but like, how are you trying to, ch- you mentioned for ortho that in choosing the ortho courses, you kind of picked the one that your um, boss or mentor was doing. So it kind of made sense. But, you know, for those other things that you were mentioning, how are you trying to navigate deciding between what to pick? Because there's so many different CPDs out there. There are so many. There are so many. Um, so when I was picking, or when I, my selection criteria for um, the when I was looking at implant courses at the time was that it had to have hands-on component and preferably like real patients. So it's just that pers- personally, I think dentistry is just such a hands-on type of profession that it's almost impossible for you to learn it through the books or, you know, um, just through theoretical. So hands-on was always a must and live live patients um doing actual implants on live patients was um the thing that i was looking for so you know this was a while ago when i was looking to it but in terms of um implant courses at the time i think i was really 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 keen on signing up for aria dental for the implant course um that that really had a lot of things that I I was looking for. Um, so I look, that's still probably the course I'm gonna do after I do finish ortho. So who knows? Who knows? Things might change back, um, you know, in, an, in another year or two. But at the moment, that's that's still another course that's on my list that I want to do uh, to learn. In yeah, you know, so talking about you know the future, have you contemplating whether? practice ownership, specializing, or just remaining like a super GP? What's your thoughts? Um, specializing, no. <laughs> I, I think I'll, I'll get too bored. And uh, to be completely honest, I, uh, I'm not, I'm, I, I probably don't want to go back to uni. <laughs> uh, so specializing, probably, probably no. Um, but Practice ownership, I haven't really considered too much. At the moment, I'm just trying to learn, like, like know, know, know what I want to do and get good at it. Um, and then, yes, my boss is really, really kind in the sense that he actually, you know, try to share um, a lot of things, you know, just the point of his point of view from a practice ownership point of view um how he looked at business and etc etc so i i i'm really thankful for it because i i do i do pick up things here and there um which who knows might might come in handy one day but practice ownership is probably not on the top of my mind at the moment because there's i think there's still just so much i want to learn before i want to introduce the headache of um owning a practice Mm. I think it's nice that your yeah your your boss is open to you know talking about his point of view because a lot of associates they have been like I want to get something and the boss would be like no or they'll be like oh there's just no reason there's no explanation there's no you just can't understand and it just 
it hinders the relationship. You'd be like, you just don't understand. It just, it's like, come on, like we're all in the same kind of boat. Like let's let's talk it out, you know. Um, mm. But that's kind of cool to hear. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I definitely think I'm quite lucky in the position I am with um, with my current boss, with um, how understanding understanding he is when I do ask for materials or tools, um, et cetera, et cetera. He's, he's quite supportive. Mm. In this short space of, you know, being a dentist so far, has there been any particular CPD that you felt like didn't, you just wasn't as beneficial for you? Um, um, no, not really. To be completely honest, I don't think I've attended a lot of CPD compared to some of my peers. Um, but like whenever I do sign up for a CPD, I do tend to do a, a bit of research on it um, and uh, speak to people who's done it or possibly looking at reviews you know, on DPR, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of people are posting, you know, reviews of different courses uh, on DPR, which is, which I find really, really helpful. So, uh, so no, I have, I don't think I've, gone to a cpd where i'd be like oh you know this is i i didn't really get much out of it um yeah i i i, I tend to pick my cpd a bit more carefully mm-hmm. yeah yeah so you've mentioned you've dropped a few names here but has there been anyone in particular who's been pivotal in your career path um and why um i have to come back to uh, you know, the day where I discovered Stephen Schivenhaus on Instagram, you know, he has been, well, like his course as well as what he's, you know, posts on social media has helped me a lot. And uh, as I mentioned before, really changed my uh, restorative um, protocol as well as um, like treatment planning, et cetera, et cetera. So, he is definitely one of the person that's impacted my uh, the way I practice um, restorative dentistry, like dramatically. Um, in terms of the people that I've actually met in person, um, I think my my current boss is a person where I look up to. He, you know, after after I graduated. You know, a lot of my friends, my girlfriend, you know, they, they tell me, oh, Ian, all you, all, all you look at is teeth, you know. Uh, you go on Facebook, Instagram, it's all teeth. You, you know, you go on computer, you, you're looking at, you know, your photos of teeth or salt teeth. <laughs> and you're, you're, you're obsessed. But put, putting short, I, I, I thought, you know, oh, maybe they're right. Maybe I'm, I'm a little bit obsessed. But I... Uh, when I came, when I met my boss and when I got to know him and the amount of work and learning he's what he's, he's obsessed. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not even, I, sh- I shouldn't be called obsessed with dentistry, you know, when I'm compared to him, you know, he's a, he's really passionate about dentistry. So he's another person that I look up to a lot. Um, and uh, I'm really, really grateful that he's sharing and mentoring uh, me uh, clinically in the practice, helping me. Um, so, yeah, so my boss is definitely someone that I look up to a lot and someone I, I rely on 
uh, a lot day to day. Yeah, look, Ian, you're not alone on this boat. I'll admit, my partner looked at my phone and was like, why is all your Instagram just teeth? Like, why are you just looking at teeth all the time? I'd just be waking up in bed just scrolling through through That's dental right. profiles and they'll just be like, what are you doing? You're obsessed. Um, so don't feel alone, okay? Don't feel alone. Your girlfriend's not in the dental industry, I'm, I'm assuming. That's right. That's why she's not. So like, they can't relate. No, no. So like... I, I come back from, you know, work and then I, I, I got, you know, I go on the couch and then go on social media and it's all teeth again. My girlfriend's like, you just, you just, we were looking at teeth all day. Like, what, <laughs> what teeth when you come back, you know? <laughs> you know what, like, you know, that's a sign that there's, you know, there's passion. You know, you want to be passionate in what you're doing. You want to know that your dentist, I mean, like, you know, that uh, you would assume your patient wants to know that your dentist is passionate about teeth, you know? Um, but the other point is to, you have a mentor, like you said, who's super passionate about dentistry. I find that that's definitely a key element to have, um, in your mentor because that kind of infectious, uh, feeds onto you. And then when you can openly talk about things and they just kind of bounce off ideas and you just bounce off each other, that's like next level. When I talk to other people and they're just not as keen about it and you know, it just reaches a dead end and you're passionate about it. It's. Yeah, it's a whole different when you're trying to learn and you're just trying to get out there. Yeah, it is. It certainly is. And coming back to the question you asked previously, when you're when your boss is that passionate, and when you ask for, oh, can I get some rubber dam? Can I get some cleanse? Can I get that? You know, the conversation is certainly a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you know what? Like you're showing that interest because you're attending it, you're applying it, like. It makes sense, you know, you just be like, look, I got either I'm going to burn through all these bad rubber dams and take me a long time or I'm going to use this really good rubber dam and, you know, it's going to be worth it. The experience is going to be a lot more enjoyable. The staff's going to find it a lot better. I'm going to find it less stressful. Like it just all adds up. Exactly right. Yeah. So, I mean, you went from a situation where you're in a single chair, didn't quite have that kind of mentoring to um, finding another practice that had mentoring. You know, talk to me about that, the struggles that you may have experienced um, during that time and uh, what you came to realize because I think when I got to know you early on, you were like, yeah, you know, I could probably do this. This, If I'm in the single chair, I'll probably learn a heaps. Um, but Certainly. Um, in a single chair, it was very, very, very different. Um, so, yeah, I guess when I started, I... I really, I was really, really nervous to do anything that I haven't done in dental school by myself. That was, that was a huge challenge. You know, at the time, I think in dental school, I didn't take out any upper wisdom teeth, you know, and I had a case, I had a case. I was like, oh my God, I'm so nervous. The wisdom tooth, you know, it's, it's, it must be so difficult. I just had no idea. So um, I, I was stressing out, just taking out an upper wisdom tooth. And I, I even asked, I even asked one of the uh, dentists to come in on a Saturday with me, just in case I couldn't take this upper wisdom tooth out, you know, um, and that dentist, you know, th- 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 thank, thank, thankfully was nice enough, um, to put up with, you know, my craziness and then came in, took, took time, took the time and came in on Saturday and then watched me took out the tooth in about a minute or less than that. So, so yes, 
working a single chair as a new grad was very, very daunting when I had to do procedures that I've never done. Um, and extractions, 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 extractions. That was, if you, if for any graduates that really want to or, you know, have to work at a, a one-chip clinic, be confident with extractions because that can be the, you know, um, the, the key difference in terms of whether you can make it or whether you're going to just lose it because just being there by yourself and not being able to get a truth out that you've started is very, very, very stressful. Um, so, so yeah, uh, I learned I learned that the hard way. Learn how to extract difficult teeth um, the hard way. So uh, I guess in a way I did learn in the end, but I definitely learned it through the hard way. Yeah, because like I asked that question because there will be graduates that will come out and they're like. I'm keen, I'm just passionate, I just want to get out there and do stuff. And then, you know, enough of the offers that they get, they get this opportunity to be like, oh, I've got this chair, um, let's just dive into it. But um, I just, yeah, I was hoping you could share your experience with it. <laughs> I yeah. guess there's not, let's just say there wasn't a lot of, um, I guess, positive experience to share at the time, but looking back, you always think that, oh, you know, I, I, I did learn a lot of stuff, but just the hard way, you know, mm -hmm. uh, through a lot of stress and um, patient management, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but my advice, I guess, would be that if you, because they're different type of people. I know, I know people that are just confident, co confident, naturally you know they, they learn i don't know they, they do a one-day course and they're and they're very confident and i'm not saying that the confidence is you know wrong or false but they're just confident people so yes in dentistry there's always going to be the first time whether you have someone there holding your hand or whether you do it on your own there's always going to be a first time and the first time is not going to be easy if you're confident yes certainly helps um so but if you are, if you think that you're the type of um, people that's a bit more, I guess, conservative, not willing to step outside your um, comfort zone and push your limits. Um, so, for example, in dental school, if you weren't very confident with your diagnosis, your preps, you have to get your choosers to check a lot, even towards, you know, just before graduating. I would try, I would try to stay away from, you know, one chair clinics. Um, for the people that are really, really confident, um, you know, uh, at at what they've learned and what they do, sure, I think I think there's definitely um, things that you can get out of a single chair clinic where you're going to learn a lot of things. Um, but personally, I I wasn't the type where I'll, I'm like all, all confident and um, but you know jumping the deep end by myself, et cetera, et cetera. So, but you didn't know that prior, but after having gone through it, that's how you feel. Yeah. 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 That's right. So, 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 so yeah, that's right. Retrospectively. Yeah. I don't think that was the best start that I could have um, given myself. Um, but again, as I keep going back to, I've learned a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've got, we've all been through, you know, 
yeah, everyone's got their own first years of it's a steep learning curve when you graduate. You know, even for me, when I first graduated as well, in a situation you might be out of practice, but it's that long weekend, that Friday thirteenth, and the boss has decided, you know what, I'm taking that break. Lawrence, do you want to take on that weekend? And I'm like, okay, not knowing that. That's the week where people come in with toothaches because everyone else is either closed and then they come in. And to your point, you're in that situation. You have to do an extraction. What do you do? Um, the special is not on call. No one's going to be able to bail you out straight away. It's yeah. not a nice situation to be in. Um, and I hope for people listening, and if they're a new graduate or recent graduate, definitely don't put yourself in that situation. Yeah, yeah. There, there's there's less, less stressful way of learning, you know, than that <laughs> yeah yeah um so what's your ideal clinical day look like now and the type of procedures you might be getting up to um my ideal clinical day a mix of everything um the only the only area of dentistry that i would try to stay clear off is probably molar endo <laughs> i think i think that's an area where i just don't have the interest nor the patience to to get better um so i i've essentially given up in that sort of um area so in an ideal day no molar endo that's <laughs> very very helpful and uh just just um just the just mix, mix, mix it up. I like, I like to mix things up. I sometimes I don't even like doing two, two crown preps back to back, you know, um, after crown prep, I'll probably want to, you know, do a bit of cleaning, um, and then some fillings and then maybe, maybe some ortho, um, you know, changing wire bands or ortho console. Uh, I do dabble a little bit in the wisdom teeth, um, surgical wisdom teeth extraction um but yeah a bit of emergency here and there but yeah that's 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 how i like it break break it up a little bit because when i usually have days where it's like cramp prep cramp prep cramp prep and then another day is like filling 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 another day is like clean 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 at the end of the day you are just you just so number one you get bored number two you, you feel so drained you feel like the day is so much so much longer um so so yeah i i like i like my days to have a bit of everything to be honest yeah i guess it's because you're spending so much concentration in trying to do these bigger tasks you just need a, your mind break that's um, right yeah that's right i agree yeah so share us what you hope your ideal clinical day or non-clinical day might look like in five years time because off the record we we're talking about how we, you know, we we're doing six days and now we're kind of reaching that balance where you wanted to be at so and what kind of cpd do you want to kind of do to get to that point um certainly i want to or hopefully in about five years time i i'm i would be a lot more confident about ortho therefore i would take on a lot more ortho cases uh, referring less cases out and then um and then on that i hope to keep doing you know restorative dentistry um the way i have been doing and then hopefully hopefully do a bit of simple uh, implants um and um oral surgery as i said i like to th mix things up so i've i know i've said quite a quite a few areas there but yeah i just i just want to do 
a bit of everything, to be honest. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And on your non-clinical days? Uh, non-clinical days, I uh, I always try to exercise as, as much as I can because um, coming back to, uh, you know, health, health is your number one wealth. So uh, I really try to look after my health. So on, on my day off, Hopefully, in about five years' time, I won't be studying as much as I, I am at the moment. <laughs> don't worry, uh, the studying never stops. I love, but yeah, as yeah, yeah, as I was going to say, yeah, I don't think the studying will stop. But um, hopefully, I'll get a bit more time to do more sports, more exercise, and then hopefully, in five years' time, I'll um, I'll start my family and then um, have plenty of time for my family. Hopefully. Mhm. Yeah. Um. So quick question, you know, you're originally from Sydney. Are you planning on moving back anytime soon? Uh, no plans of yet. Uh, if anything, probably uh, planning on staying Brisbane for the foreseeable future. Uh, yeah, so, uh, so yeah, so no plans on going back to Sydney anytime soon just yet. <laughs> All right. Well, Dr. Ian Zaff, thank you for coming on the show today. If you could let the people know how they can find you or what you've got going on in your life. Um, well, I have two pretty simple. Uh, I, I just do some posts on my social media, uh, mainly Instagram. Uh, it's um, dr.ianzow. Um, so, so, yeah, if you guys want to... Uh, Check it out and uh, have a look to see if there's anything that you can um, hopefully get um, learn or get from my post. That'll be great. If you like this episode, drop a comment below on your favorite part or leave a review. Don't forget to share it with your friends and we'll see you in the next episode of CP Junkie Podcast.